Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to an amazing passage of Scripture. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. And uh, we're going to be talking today about joy, how joy is our thing. It's what defines us. And there's a wonderful passage of Scripture, Isaiah 12, verse 2. You may have read this before, but I trust that God's going to really speak to you in a powerful way today. Are you ready? Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust in Him and not be afraid. Yeah. I will trust in God and not be afraid. For the Lord God, He is my strength and He is my song. Amen. He has also become, or that word become means He exists. He is committed to, the Lord exists to be my salvation. How many people know that today? God exists in heaven to be your salvation. God is committed to your success, your salvation today. I don't feel like it. Well, you may not feel like it, but the Word of God says that He is committed to your salvation today. And that's a good thing. Therefore, because of this, with joy, say with me, with joy, with joy, I will draw water from the wells of my salvation. Well done, well done. So think about that. With joy, I will draw water from the wells of my salvation. And I'm going to preach to you today on this amazing passage of Scripture. Everybody draws from something. And here's a quick question. You are drawing something today. I want to know today what it is that you're drawing from. You know, we are the first generation, we listened to this uh, in our Hope Hub last week, Andrew Womack speaking on the power of joy and hope. And he rightly points out that we're the first generation that are being bombarded 24-7 with all the collective bad news from every single country all around the world. When I was a little tacker, you had to wait for the news to come out and eventually you might find out what's happening in the next state. I had no idea what was taking place in France, England, Iran, all these other nations. And so we're getting today, every single day, all the bad news heaped upon us. In fact, last week I read The Age and I saw that they were doing a, a series to enlighten us and all the individual characters of the most notorious bikey gang, like a, a full spread on, on how they all operate. It's like, do we really need to know that? The Bible says whatever is pure, good, a good report, lovely, to think on these things. And we wonder sometimes why we lack a joy-filled life. And one of the reasons is that we continually draw things that pollute our system. What have you been drawing from this week? What news? What have you been reading? What have you been listening to? What conversations? What friendships have you been drawing from? Because they are collectively why you feel the way you feel today. What are you drawing? Well, I don't feel very good today. I don't feel like praising God. Well, one of the reasons is that you've been drawing out of the wrong well. 
And we know that because I, I was going to do a little test here today. I was going to get like a, a bottle of metho, but I thought with uh, health and safety, it probably wasn't a good idea. And I was going to invite people out to take a drink. And I don't think in my mind that one person would be silly enough, even though it was me offering the drink, to take a drink from that method, because we know it's poison. And yet, right throughout the week, so many Christians have been drawing from the wrong wells that poison their heart, that cause them to find it difficult to hear the voice of God. We say, well, I don't hear God speak. Well, you're drawing from the wrong well. And if you keep doing that, you pollute your heart. And Isaiah says, with joy, we're going to draw water from the wells of our salvation. That's what I want to draw water from. I want to draw water from the wells inside me of salvation today. Anybody with me today? Okay, so we're going to find out how to do that today. We're going to talk more about that. Isaiah 12.3 says, therefore, with joy. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Joy accesses the wells of salvation. I believe that rejoicing is the means to accessing all that God has for our life. Look at the screen. We're going to look at Psalm 5 verse 11. It says, and I want you to take note of, notice of the words here today. It says, let all those who rejoice put their trust in you. That's God. Let them ever shout for joy because God defends them. I want you to see that today, that rejoicing enables you to access all that God is and has. When you rejoice, God says, I will defend. I'll defend you. Vindication is mine, says the Lord. Instead of you trying to get even, you trying to... To, to make things right, you rejoice in him, you praise him, you extol his name, you lift him up and he says, I will defend you. I've got your back today. Amen. Rejoicing is the means to access all that God has in your life. Why do you think the Apostle Paul says, rejoice forevermore? And again, I say rejoice. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. To rejoice, to rejoice, to rejoice. I don't get it when people come to church and they don't praise. It's like, what don't you, what don't you understand about the kingdom? The kingdom of God is righteousness, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's a kingdom of joy and praising and celebration. Great to see you all on live stream today too. It's great to have you listening. We trust God speaks in a powerful way. It says in, in Psalm 5, 11, Let those who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround them like a shield. Again, he's drawing the, the, the analogy that if you worship and rejoice and praise, not only will God defend you, but he will cause his favor to be upon your life. How many people want more favor? Absolutely. I want to walk in the favor of God. You know, the Bible says of Abraham that when he was old, that God had blessed him in everything, in everything, not just financially, but relationally, in every area of his life, God had blessed him. What was the key about Abraham? Abraham was an altar builder. His son Isaac dug wells, 
But Abraham was known as an altar builder. He was a worshiper. He was a praiser. Rejoicing is the means to access all that God has. So why rejoice? Why rejoice? I was thinking about this. What's the big deal about rejoicing when it comes to being enlarged in the kingdom? Do you know it says in Mark chapter 4 that there's a parable about the sower and the seeds that go into our heart. And in verse, I think it's verse 16, he says, there are some that have seeds sown, they're like on stony ground. And it says these words, they immediately receive the seed with joy and gladness. Did you hear that? They receive the seed with gladness. Have you read that before? They receive the seed with gladness. See, gladness and joy is the key to receiving. The seed comes into the heart because you've got a joyful heart. God doesn't deposit seeds in hearts that aren't joyful. They receive the seed with gladness, but they have no root in themselves, and so they only endure for a time. You see, here's the deal. You've got to continue and maintain the countenance of joy and gladness in all things. Don't give up. Don't stop praising. Don't stop celebrating. Don't stop being a worshiper. And because they didn't do that, the seed didn't go down deep inside. So that tells me something, that joy buries the seed out of reach of the devil's hands. Did you hear that? When, you, when you're joyful, that seed, that promise, that dream that God gives you, when you're joyful, it puts it out of the reach of the enemy. If you don't maintain your joy, the enemy will abort the seed. He will snatch it out of your hands. But if you remain joyful... If you say, thank you, God, your promises are yes and amen. I don't know. It seems like everything's gone worse. Things are, things are bad. But nevertheless, I'm going to worship you. Doesn't the Bible say, though the fig tree doesn't blossom and there be no fruit in the vine, there's no petrol in the car, my wife is sick in bed and everything's gone wrong, yet will I rejoice in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. There is one thing you can do on earth that you can't do in heaven. And this is it. You can worship in the face of adversity. There is no adversity in heaven. It's easy to worship in heaven because everything's good. We're on a sea of glass. There is no ripples. There's no pushback. But it's on earth that you get the challenge and the privilege of saying to Satan, even though you come against me, I will worship him at all times. I will bless his name. That's what it means to be a warrior. It's saying, I see what you're doing, but despite that, I choose to say, my God is my salvation. I'm coming with joy to draw out from the wells of my salvation. That was good. See, the same adversity that kills one seed grows the other seed. See, adversity comes and only two things can happen. It will take away the promise or it will come and grow the promise. And this is what the enemy doesn't realize. He, he's, he's a one-trick pony. He comes with adversity and, he, and, and, and rightly so because many Christians just give in to him. They allow him to snatch a seed. They go, Ooh, they become Eeyore. Uh, mindsets, they begin to whinge and complain, they get, they get cantankerous, they stay away from church, they have a pity party and no one comes and it reaffirms their beliefs that no one loves them. 
And so that's why he does it. But there are another group of Christians that when the adversity comes, they say, I know that sun that's come to destroy that seed is going to build this seed because you need sun to grow. It's going to come upon my seed. It's going to bury it deeper. See, because that whole thing is the seed. The reason it was aborted because it didn't go down deep. The word for deep in Mark 4 is, is bathos, which means deep mystery. And when we allow the mystery of his promises, we wrestle with them, we believe, we sing over them. They go deep inside and the adversity that comes causes the seed to grow. I am what I am today because of the victories that I have had through adversity. And I know this. That because the Holy Ghost is inside us, we cannot fail. I'll say it again. Because the Holy Spirit is inside you, you cannot fail. Praise channels the Father's presence into every defiant circumstance. Did you hear that? Praise channels the presence of God into all. So it's like, have you ever seen those trucks uh, on the side of a freeway and they're, and they're, they're um, blowing out all those seeds, those green seeds, and they're planting grass. Has anyone seen that? And, and it's like that. It's like a, a shoot that's blowing out seeds. And as we begin to worship, it connects us to the tank of heaven and God begins to speak and move over all our circumstances. Praise channels the presence of God into every defiant circumstance. Get the hardest circumstance that's against you and begin to praise God over it. Not, not, not for it, but in it. Begin to say, thank you, God. Thank you that even though, even though I have no money or whatever it might be, I know that you are my salvation. I declare that you will make a way where there seems to be no way. I celebrate it. Joshua walked around seven times the walls of Jericho and they worshipped and they praised. And what seemed to be insurmountable came down in but a moment. Praise, worship. So we mirror heaven so heaven is welcome on earth. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord. O my soul, and all that's within me. I wonder today that when we worship God, did we let it rip? Was it all that's within me? Or we just give God, you know, a little bit of energy? See, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Sometimes I think if I let it all out, I'd scare you. But isn't it interesting, he begins to say, I remember that you forgive all my sins. You heal me. You're my deliverer. And as the psalmist begins to do that, do you know at the end of that chapter, he goes on and he begins to go from earth. Now he's in heaven and he's saying, God's throne is established in heaven for every kingdom endures. And then he begins to say, you know what, not just that, but the angels are heeding the voice of the word of the Lord. Where's that voice? It was back at the start of the chapter. You and I were declaring the goodness of God, the salvation of God, the deliverance of God with all our heart. And heaven has to respond to a heart that's fully engaged with him. And he releases his angels and he says, you do my bidding. You've heard my saints sing. You've heard them shout aloud with the voice of triumph. Now you go and begin to fight their battles. 
Amen? That's what it says. Praise channels the Father's presence into our defiant circumstances. Wow. That's good, Andrew. Job 5.22 says, You shall laugh at destruction and famine, and you will not be afraid of the beasts of the earth. Laughter releases the force of joy. To laugh is to release the joy tap. Some of you have heard this story, but I'm going to say it again because I, I just love telling stories. Is that all right? Yeah. I, you don't even know what I'm going to say, but that's good. I was away on holidays with a couple of uh, friends of ours. One of them was incredibly prophetic. And I teach on this. If you're around people of, of particular giftings, what's on their life always rubs off on you. It's a theory of the kingdom. It's the way the kingdom operates. Whenever we have, we'll have Adam and Adrian come in a few weeks' time who uh, amazing interpreters of dreams and visions. And whenever they come, everybody starts dreaming at church at a whole new level. It's remarkable. So anyway, going back to my story. We're away with prophetic people. I mean, off the scale. Dream every night. You know, it's like... You know, from start to finish. I mean, I dream occasionally. It's getting better, but you know, just like off the scale. And anyway, I'm in bed at night, and I'm having a dream. It's it's like multicolored, full on. You know, sometimes my dreams are grey, and you got to really look. But this is like full on. And in the dream, I've got a sword, and I'm fighting demons, and I'm I'm killing. I'm, I'm killing them. I'm just cutting them to shreds. It was amazing. Until one demon came, ugly critter, big, and I pulled my sword out to cut him, and it just wasn't working. And I'm like, this, this is not good, God. It's like, I'm in trouble. It's not working anymore. And I heard a voice from heaven say these words, just laugh at him. And I laugh, okay. And I put my sword down, and I began to laugh. And this big demon began to shriek and ran away. To that, I opened my eyes and all our bedroom was filled. You don't have to believe me, but it's true anyway. don't need to make stories up. But the, our bedroom was filled with demons. And in the corner of the room was a dove, a, like a transparent dove, flapping in the corner of our room. Now, you don't get that every day of the week. It's like, I, I'm not saying like, yeah, this is a casual thing I get. Like, it's just like an amazing. But God was saying, in the midst of the most intense warfare, my spirit is with you and you release him through the sound of joy and gladness. Amen. We don't realize, I think, the power of a joyful heart. Not just what it does in us, because a, a merry heart does good like a medicine. You know, you could get rid of some Panadols and take some merriness. But it's powerful when we praise and when we worship. Wow. Psalm 126 verse 5 says, Those who sow in tears will reap in joy. Those who go forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, they will come again rejoicing. Again, harvest is connected to joy. Did you hear that? Tears for the sower, joy for the harvester. And maybe God's saying to the church, you've overwatered your seed. 
And there's a season for sowing and re- uh, uh, crying and praying. But I have this theory, you may or may not agree with me, that God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, that we go through generations and seasons in church. So, so you're not just the, end of the, be- the beginning and the end. What my father did and his father, it's all interconnected. God, that's the way God's is eternal. He's a generational God. What Abraham did affected Jacob and vice versa because he sees it all at one moment. Yes, yes? That's the way God works. And so we have had martyrs and, and, and many great men and women of God so in tears for generations. I remember waking up and seeing my grandfather crying before God, praying for hours and hours and hours, interceding and praying. But largely he didn't see his harvest. The generations that sow and the generations that reap, we are, I believe, with all my heart, a generation ordained by God to be harvesters. And harvesters know how to celebrate and rejoice And the problem is, if you're in the wrong season, you'll miss your moment. And sometimes the church is operating out of season because we're crying when we should be rejoicing. Sowers have their focus on the ground. Their focus is is nurturing the seed that can't be seen, but they lift up their eyes. They begin to see in the spirit realm. They begin to see what God is doing. Don't say these four months and then comes the harvest. The harvest is right before you. The problem is that we don't have harvesting tools. And the tools of harvest are joy and gladness. Is it ironic that the devil came and partly it was the church's misunderstanding of what to do with joy and gladness in the church. But the devil came and short-circuited the work of God with joy and gladness in the church. God wasn't done with joy in the church. In fact, we could laugh for the next 10 years and still not get rid of all the stuff that probably needs to get rid of. Rejoicing draws out the water. Number three, the wells. Are in, so I first I asked you, what are you drawing? Then I talked to you about rejoicing is the means to get the water. Third thing I want to say to you today is the wells are in me and in you. They're in you. Right now, the water is provided. Our hunger today, and this is where I, when I sing songs, I'm so mindful of, of, of the way I express my hunger. My hunger is not for more of God, but my hunger is for the revelation of what God has already given me. Colossians 2 verse 8 says, You need to beware that you're not deceived through human philosophy and traditions of men. Because he says, for in, for in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. And he says, and you and I are complete in him, who's head of all principality and power. The moment you get born again, all of the Godhead comes and lives inside you. You are complete and full. And you have a well inside you now that has all the resources that you need to live a life of success. If you're not happy, if you're not joyful, if you're not blessed, if you're not all these things, it's not because you don't have the resource inside you. If it was that, 
as I said before, well, we should all just pack up and go home. If the problem's on God's behalf, then he's too big to deal with. But if the issue is just me with the wrong understanding, I can solve that. See, because dissatisfaction is the key to deception. Genesis 3, 5, Adam and Eve thought they were incomplete because the devil sought to turn them away from their completeness. And that's what the devil does. He wants you dissatisfied. And that's where all the strange moves of God, strange in, you know, highlight, come because people are dissatisfied with their relationship with God. There's got to be more. There's got to be something in the stars. And, you know, if we cleanse our DNA with, with a rubber band and, you know, and we do all these weird things, then, then maybe that God will deal with our past and the sins of my forefathers will be transferred to... You know, it's this weird stuff I read because they're dissatisfied with where they're at and it leads to deception. When you're satisfied, you know that you are complete in Him, that, that the work of the cross has made you clean and pure. And the issue is not about you trying to become something you're not. It's realizing how God sees you as you are. That's the issue. Let me read to you from my first book. You ready? It says the greatest shift, apart from spirit salvation, is to move from the realities of the natural soul life to the realities of the spirit. In other words, to stop looking at all of life and yourself through physical eyes and begin to see from the realities of what God sees when he looks at you. It's the recognition of the spirit man within us that has been suppressed, ignored and misunderstood by much of the church. Paul said, I die daily. And I didn't write this, but he wasn't talking about his hair. He said, I die daily. He, this was his cry that the soul would be aligned with the reality of the spirit. He says, I put to death all the, all the physical, natural responses to life. I die to that. And I choose to look and say, God, how do you see this circumstance? How do you see me in this circumstance? There has to be a harmony between the body, soul, and spirit for transformation. When the soul assumes control of our life, we operate out of a limited vision and reproduce what we see, think, feel, all in the natural. But when our spirit leads us, it empowers us. The Apostle Paul's writings are designed by the spirit to enable us to see into the spirit realm and get a glimpse of how Father sees us now in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says that we are now in Christ Jesus. I'm crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I. Sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? But it's Christ that lives in me. So at the moment we were born again, our old sin nature was put to death. But we still live. But we don't live according to that way. We live according to Christ being in us. And the, faith, the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Why did he get? Because he saw what Father would make me to be. And that's what I'm looking at. I'm not denying reality. I'm not denying all those things. I'm just not being led by that. I'm not being branded by that. I'm not taking ownership of that. It's real. So we don't deny that we've got issues and there are things to work out. But we don't take it because that's not who I am anymore. That's good. There's a well in me. 
There's a well of identity and provision and all the things that I need. And with joy, I can access everything that God made me to be. 1 Corinthians, is it chapter 1, verse, is it 20? It says, and it's of God who made for us to be, in Christ made us to be wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. In other words, it was God's plan that because in Christ Jesus, we would have all these things freely given to us. The wisdom of God, the mind of Christ, I have it all. And I hear some people saying, well, I haven't got it. You have. Oh, you've got it all right. You can die with it and not use it, but you've got it. The Bible says that we acknowledge every good thing that's in us. We begin to confess, Lord, even though in the natural I might not be wise, I have the mind of Christ. I have the wisdom of God. I have access to your thoughts. I thank you there's a well in me of wisdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. See, that's what joy does. Thank you. Whinge and complain. Oh, stop it. Stop it. Stop it. The Lord says in love. (laughs) The key to biblical mind renewal is choosing to think and speak at a higher level than what I am currently experiencing. Well, I can't say I've got the mind of Christ because I'm so stupid. All right. The key to biblical mind renewal is to confess and believe and to think at a higher level than what you're currently experiencing. That's called faith. His thoughts are not your thoughts. He's not going to lower himself to your thoughts. You're going to have to come up. It's true. It may not feel true. Remember I told you the story about the, the thermostat? We set it to 20. The young man's up, it's only 10 degrees. See, those thermostats never lag. <laughs> you told me to confess. You told me to believe and imagine and see myself as God sees me. And it's not working. I've tried it for a day. Give it time. Let the burners of the Holy Ghost create a fire inside you. And all of a sudden, what that thermostat says will be your reality. Faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Close the windows. Dwelling on the wrong things, drawing from the wrong things, letting the draft in. That, that helps. It's not working. Shut the windows. That's a good start. Shut the door to the enemy. Stop feeding on his lies on the TV. And allow God to do his work. His words are spirit and they are life. And I don't know if the body of Christ has got a revelation of this yet, but the Word of God is spirit and it's life. It's not a novel. It's not the Reader's Digest. It's not the newspaper. There's something powerful in the Word of God that as we declare it, they are spirit force. In the round, see, Jesus spoke to the tree and nobody could see any change, but those words went underneath where no one could see and rooted out that tree. And then they come back, look, the tree's dead. Yeah, 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 you can see now. Anyone can see that. But it takes faith to know that when I speak, something is happening in the realm of the Spirit that I cannot see, but I know it's at work. Amen. Jesus said, I, I knew it was dead the moment I spoke. His words are spirit and life. Hmm. Paul says in Philippians 17 times, To rejoice, to be joyful. 
17 times while he's in prison. You know I love numbers in the Bible because God's a number God. 17 is made up of 10 and 7. E.W. Bullinger tells us that the natural perfection and spiritual perfection. 10, 10, natural perfection. 7, spiritual perfection. The priestly anointing and the kingly anointing. 17 is attached to the sons of God. Joseph called it 17 to be a forearm. It's about victory. 17 is filled with pregnant prophetic understanding. Is it interesting that Paul says 17 times? If you want to operate in the priestly, kingly anointing, rejoice, 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 rejoice. Well, it's just a coincidence. My friend, nothing with God is a coincidence. Do you you, you see, in in the normal strain of things, whatever God creates, it's ordered, reproducible, and reliable. God is a God of order. He's systematic. So when we see 17 times in Philippians, it's not just some random number. Paul's saying, well, I've done it 16. I've got to squeeze in another rejoicing somewhere in this epistle. It wasn't like that. It was breathed on by God. So when you and I read that and counted it, we'd say, okay, 17 times he says, rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Why? Oh, yeah. I get it. If I want to have victory in the natural and the spiritual, I've got to learn to rejoice. Some of you need to start singing a bit more, putting some music on and rejoicing and rejoicing. And again, why did Paul say again? Because we keep forgetting. Again, I say rejoice. The wells have all that we need. Did you hear that? I have a well in me, but I'm finishing today by telling you the wells inside you have everything that you need. The wells of, what are they called? I'll say it again. The wells of? I'll say it again. The wells of? Salvation. Salvation. Okay, that means the day I got born again. No, 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 no. Listen, don't, don't get distracted now. Listen. That word salvation is connected to the name of Jesus. Yeshua, salvation. We're drawing from the life of Jesus today. And do you know that word salvation? Do you know what it means? Deliverance, healing, prosperity, health, welfare, peace. It is a word Filled with pregnant meaning. We're drawing from wells. Not well. Wells. I have wells inside me that are accessed through joy. The sevenfold spirit of God. He is, he's known as El Shaddai. You know that name. Some people say it means God Almighty, but it's, it's more than that. Because when you study the root words, listen, it means the God of multiple breasts. People didn't like, said they didn't want to write that because it was like weird. But then I get beyond the weirdness and think about it. What's it saying? Remember a tiger or a lion when you see them suckling multiple cubs? God's saying this I can sustain you and feed you in every area of your life. 
I've got one breast for salvation and another one over here for health. And if you need a feed over here of deliverance, I can feed you and comfort you and sustain you in every area of your life. You've got wells inside you that you can draw from. I'm conscious of that, that when I'm rejoicing, I'm saying, God, I'm tapping in today to the well of healing. I have friends that need healing. I'm tapping in today to the wells of prosperity. I see myself with so much money. It's unbelievable. I'm a resource to multiple ministries and churches. Tapping in. See, the church has been sucking on one breast. It's the breast of salvation and eternal life. But God's saying here, you've got wells of salvation. And isn't it interesting that the enemy, I'm almost finished, the enemy in Genesis 26, 15, wanted to stop up the wells and fill them with earth to Isaac. With earth, human reasoning, human logic, he wanted to stop it up. A well accesses things under the ground, in the realm of the spirit. The enemy wants to level it up so we operate above the earth and not in the spirit. He stopped up the wells. But Isaac would not allow that to continue. So in verse 32, we're almost done. They continue to dig for wells. He says, I know I've got a well there somewhere inside me. If the enemy tries to stop your well... You know, he brings stuff on you. He tries to challenge you. You just say, you what? You fill that well? I'm going to search for more. I'm going to keep digging. And it says eventually he found a well and he called it Sheba. And you know what that word means? The promise, an oath, a covenant. You have a well inside you, which is the covenant of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I promise you. I'll never leave you or forsake you. You're now you're birth into better promises. That word also means seventh, completeness, perfection, the rest. That's what he named this well. I have a well inside me, a covenant promise from God that he is my ability. He is my rest. He is my security. When you know that you know that your own wells inside you, you won't allow the enemy to block them over. You say, oh, well. Oh, well. He didn't say that. He didn't give up. He says, I'm going to keep digging for wells. I know that's my heritage. My father, Abraham, dug wells and they belong to me. There's water there and I'm going to be sustained by that. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2 says, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. See, today, not one of us should fear tomorrow. God is my salvation. I will not fear. I will trust. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He exists. He is committed to my salvation. Did you know that God exists to be your well provider? That's his job description. Your job is to draw. God's job is to provide. And I draw with joy. He says... He has become my salvation, therefore, with joy. So he knows God's job description. So he says, therefore, with joy, I will draw water from the wells of my salvation. I want you to remember this verse all week. I want you to recite it in your sleep. 
I want you to praise it and pray it in your car. I want you to declare it over your life and your family. With joy, I will draw water from the wells of my salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I've got a well inside me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So, we're going to pray for every single person here today. Unless you can sneak out. Because we want to release over your life a new degree of joy and gladness, a new revelation of the wells inside you. As we come to a close of this month's theme, I believe God wants to do a new, fresh thing in your life today. You've got a well inside you of salvation. And the key to that access is a joyful heart. And the enemy's tried to stop you accessing all that God has for your life. You've been trying to get the well through struggling and striving, through all sorts of means, and it's accessed through joy, through gladness, through praise, through thanksgiving. And we're going to unlock that in agreement with you today. Amen? We want to pray for every single person. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Pastor Daryl is going to come and pray with me. And a couple of our other leaders, we're going to anoint you and pray. And, and, and what I want you to do today, don't come forward expecting me to pull a rabbit out of my hat. Come forward with intentionality and great faith. Don't look to the pastor, to the prayer team. Look to God. As you walk out, lift up your hands and say, God, I want a fresh baptism of joy. Father, cause me to be the greatest praiser. Your praise will be continually on my mouth, on my lips. And Father, from this day forward, I'm going to draw from the wells of my salvation with joy. You position yourself today and God will meet you where you're at. He'll break depression. He'll break confusion. He'll break all the things that have been trying to strangle your progress. And you'll leave today a brand new person. Amen? God is here. It's amazing to think, but he is. He's here. He's here in his fullness. His angels are here. Because they've listened to the word of the Lord and they hear not one word of God is void of power. And God's here to minister. His spirit is here. And as we lift up the name of Jesus and exalt him and honor him, he always comes to minister to his people because he loves us. He wants the best for our life.